1: The Fast and the Curious is part of the Acast Creators Network. You enjoy it now.
0: Hello, and welcome back to the Fast and the Curious. With me, Betty Glover and Christian Hugill. We've got no Greg James today, Christian, but we've had to jump on because, oh my God, Max Verstappen didn't win the Grand Prix. Sergio Perez didn't win. Red Bull are not even on the podium in Singapore, Christian. What an incredible race. Where on earth do you want to start? Wow.
1: Wow, 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 (laughs) wow.
0: I can't believe it.
1: (laughs) I've got anything to add. That's all you're getting out of me today.
0: Let's start with the fact then. Carlos Sainz has won the Singapore Grand Prix. Lando Norris coming in second. Lewis Hamilton third. Unbelievable race from George Russell until... He went into the barrier at the end. That was so tense, Christian. I don't think you're quite over it yet. Have you even taken a few seconds to just sort of breathe?
1: No, I am nowhere near over it. Oh, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant because to have one of those races... Our close personal friend of the podcast, Crofty, summed it up nicely at the end where he said... At times it's been tense and patient, but I loved that. It wasn't from the word go, all action, loads of overtaking, loads of crashes, loads of chaos. But for the first time in bloody ages, we had one of those amazing Grand Prix's where it's tense. And the reason it's tense is because the top five were running so close together any of them could win it. It's almost like a game of poker.
0: I thought it was like a game of chess.
1: I, I was going to go for chess, but I'm sticking with poker because no one wanted to show their hands oh, until nice. they absolutely had to. And in that sort of first third of the race, where most were running on hard tyres... And Mercedes and Ferrari and Lando in the McLaren are like, yeah, we've probably got the pace to win this race. But at this point, we can only lose it. So let's stay here and let's not make a mistake. And let's see if there's a safety car. And let's see what happens in the pit stops. But we talk about these drivers being superhuman. And in that phase, it's like no one wants to show their hands, but you can't make a mistake because everyone's pushing because there's no room for error. And then what happened right at the end of the race... Someone made a mistake. But it was that, that release of tension that you knew, you just had a feeling that at some point this race was going to explode. And it did. I never thought Carlos would win it. I thought the Ferraris had absolutely ducked it.
0: Well, just on that point, I said to you, didn't I? I was like, their tactics here are, are, are a bit odd. And then you sort of explained why they went for that.
1: I mean, I mean we don't fully know yet why Ferrari didn't pit when there was the virtual safety car. And Mercedes chose to and Ferrari chose not to. Now, it could have been that Ferrari just thought, actually, we're going to stick it out on these hard tyres. But all the teams have a certain number of tyres to use uh, over the course of the weekend. Mercedes had saved a set of fresh mediums, knowing that the mediums were predicted to be the best tyre for this race. The softs would wear out far too quickly in the Singapore heat. The hards are slower. Everybody thought the medium's the best tyres to be on. So Mercedes thought, we'll give ourselves an advantage in the race and we'll save a set of medium tyre. And it looked for all the world, like on those fresh tyres, that Russell and Hamilton would just pick off the cars in front and it'd be a Mercedes 1-2. And what was so intelligent from Carlos and Lando is that obviously they're good mates, but Carlos is thinking... I want to win this race. Lando's being very clever and thinking I'm not got the pace to to catch and pass Carlos here. I'll take second. Thank you very much. So Carlos keeps Lando in his DRS meaning he gets the advantage in his drag reduction system. So that means Lando's able to defend and the Mercedes can't get close to them. So some fantastic intelligent racecraft from Carlos. And from Lando means they get first and second, which they'll be happy with. But George is in that horrible situation of kill or be killed. And he was killed. He couldn't quite get past Lando. He couldn't quite get past Carlos and he was forced into an error and and Lewis kept his head and got the third place. Just a sensational end to the Grand Prix, gutted for George. But that's why Lewis is a seven time world champion.
0: Let's talk about that a little bit more then, because obviously when George went into the barriers, that was a massive moment in the race. I think everyone's reaction was just jaw on the floor. George had such a good race up until that point, didn't he? He was really fighting. What exactly
1: went wrong? You know, you're in. It's, it's the most difficult situation in motor racing when you are thinking, I need to overtake the car in front of me, otherwise the car behind me is going to get me. And, and he made a mistake and he pushed too hard and he hit the wall. George has looked like he's had the edge on Lewis all weekend until it properly mattered. And then there was a mistake and you know, George doesn't make too many mistakes. He still makes the odd one, but that's a big, big mistake and it's cost him a podium.
0: Well, in the last episode, you described this track as being really physical and really difficult, um, like a pretty, you know, mental test. Do you think that played a really big role today as well in making it as exciting as it was?
1: Oh yeah, without question. You're absolutely right. Because it's, It is a tricky track. It's slightly less tricky this year because we spoke about on the last episode, they've made some changes because they're doing some construction work. By the way, I hope they keep this layout because I think it's better and I think it made for a better Grand Prix with better overtaking opportunities. I've never actually been a big, huge fan of the Singapore race. We take for granted all the time the skill involved, but make the tiniest little mistake and you're in the wall. And we saw it from Logan Sargent, you know, God bless him, a a tiny mistake and he's taken his nose cone off. And then we saw it again later in the race, proving that it's not just rookies who make these errors. We saw Fernando Alonso as well. I don't think it was all Fernando. I think the Aston Martin was really struggling today. Mm. It, it, it's a tricky track in any street circuit, but especially when you're in those, that heat, it's one of the most difficult tracks on the calendar, and as George found out.
0: Go on then, talk to me about Carlos Sainz then. H- how well did he play today? Because he just absolutely dominated the race, didn't he, from start to finish?
1: I I'm so impressed with Carlos because in what's always been a really close battle between these two it had started to feel like Charles had the edge and there even there had even started to be little rumors about Carlos's future but then everything changed in Italy and these last two races back-to-back pole positions in a season where Red Bull have got such an advantage and when you've got such a competitive teammate is so impressive. And even though Carlos didn't win the race in Italy, the way he clung on to third was so impressive. As we remember, Charles locking his brakes, he threw, he threw the Italian kitchen sink at Carlos, <laughs> and he didn't make it through. And then today, again, I did not think he was going to hold on for that win, and he did. He's had the edge over Charles in the last couple of races, and everyone always says about Charles how special he is, how he could... Buff fight for a title. Last season, he battled Max for the title for the first half of the year until the Red Bull advantage became too big. And if Carlos carries on the advantage in these two Grand Prix's that he's had over Charles, he is saying to Ferrari, you have not got a number one driver and a number two. I am. Give me a car. I'm capable of battling for a world title. If you'd have said to me, who's going to win a race other than Red Bull this season? I'd have said George or Lewis, I'd have said Lando, I'd have said Fer- uh, Fernando. I wouldn't have said Ferrari if you tickled me with a prancing horse. I just wouldn't Sorry. Have even... <laughs> tickled you with a prancing horse? <laughs> if you tied me to a chair and put me under torturous conditions, I still wouldn't have said Ferrari. Uh. But... Carlos did it. I'm I'm so impressed with him. A sensational weekend. So, such a smooth operator this weekend. And I'm so delighted for him. It's only his second ever Formula One win. He won at Silverstone a couple of years back. But that's massive.
0: But did Charles Leclerc get thrown under the bus slightly at one point
1: by Ferrari? No, I, d- I don't think he did. Because if you qualify in front of your teammate, particularly on pole position, you stamp your authority on a race weekend and you force your team to back you. And Carlos did that this weekend. So no, he wasn't thrown under the bus. He was quite simply the, the second Ferrari driver. And if you're Charles Leclerc, you're thinking, hang on a minute... People want me to be the pretender to Max. People want me to take the fight to him. My the, my teammate doing this ain't in the script. He probably wouldn't say ain't in that tone of voice because he's got a different accent to me. But you, you see where I'm coming from. I think this is a big test for Charles Leclerc. He will now be looking to the end of this season, looking to restamp his authority at the top of the Ferrari food chain.
0: What a thing to have on his CV. The guy that has stopped Red Bull's 15 consecutive wins incredible and we have gone on so much on this podcast about how Verstappen has had this like incredible season haven't we but we have waited such a long time for a race like this what made it different this weekend well
1: the the simple answer is I don't bloody know Uh, and nobody really does it's so unusual for a car to just be invincible you sort of got the impression that they could throw a bulldozer at it and it just survive so that said I was we were sort of expecting for most of the season up until it got to the point where they just looked too unbeatable that at some point they turn up to a race weekend and it just wouldn't suit them and therefore they might be second or third or fourth the track wouldn't suit them but for them to go from being so dominant to having such a bad weekend not getting into Q3 battling for the points because if it wasn't for the safety car you know Verstappen and Perez might not have even got points I don't know and nobody really does and I don't think they fully know yet so it's something that the F1 world will look at and Japan the next race will be fascinating because have we seen the last of the Red Bull dominance? i doubt it but i just think it's so unusual it it feel it it'll it'll be track specific there'll be something about this singapore track that doesn't quite suit the red bull but at the moment nobody seems to have a concrete answer and i think probably more will become apparent through the weekend into the next race weekend as to why red bull struggled that much and, you know crofty and martin bundle were talking in the race and going there's been theories but It's the first time this season where I can remember people being like, don't fully know. And that's what's brilliant about sport, isn't it? That it can still, even when you think it's so predictable, you still get a race like this where it's like, oh my God, didn't expect that. So... No idea. Betty, have you got any ideas? Uh, You know, what might have caused that?
0: I don't have any ideas. I have no clue whatsoever. I don't know where they just been complacent, but that's not like Red Bull because they've just been so incredibly good. And it feels like it's just sort of come out of nowhere.
1: Yeah. I I haven't got an answer for why there's such a big performance gap. I think it's fascinating. And we'll, we'll wait to see what the F1 world says. And it'll be really interesting to see what Christian Horner says after the race and in the week, because, because, at the moment who knows
0: do you know what i feel really sorry for the people and there will be plenty of f1 fans out there that were sort of like doing something else today and they just thought oh well max is gonna max is gonna win this weekend or doing something else this weekend and they kind of just thought oh well it's like this guy this guy called perky messaged us on instagram saying why am i at a work event when there's a race on that max isn't
1: winning if you were forced to be at a work event today you'd be far from perky wouldn't you You'd be fuming. Yes. But maybe Greg's the reason. Mm. Producer Jimmy points out that Greg did make some biz well, I mean I mean, we say this. Greg did wacky predictions every week. So we're not giving him too much credit.
0: Every single week Greg comes up with like Red Bull aren't gonna win today. Um but he was he was right this time.
1: Well, hang on, 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 hang on. No, he wasn't right. He was. He said a Red Bull wouldn't win. He thought uh, McLaren would win, and then he put Ferrari, and a Ferrari won. So he got the fact that a Red Bull wouldn't win, but let's not give him too much credit. I would
0: also like to point out that on Saturday at eleven a.m. ish, around that sort of time, I said I think Max Verstappen isn't going to win this weekend, and you replied. I'm not as optimistic so I think if anyone deserves any credit it is me.
1: Betty can I take this opportunity to give you enormous credit you're a supremely knowledgeable sports broadcaster not just on football and the English football league where BBC1 viewers will have seen you in the studio this weekend inciting wisdom but also on Formula 1. So Betty I'd like to congratulate you for being uh you know not just a good human but a phenomenal sports broadcaster with supreme knowledge.
0: Christian your sarcasm knows no bounds we've got so many questions so many comments from listeners on instagram so let's go through them there's a lot so let's do it like fast okay number one is from meg and she says liam lawson needs a seat which team do you think he's most likely to join um which we haven't spoken about liam lawson so Go ahead, because he was incredible as
1: well. I completely agree, Liam Lawson needs to say, I think he's most likely to be at AlphaTauri next season.
0: Christian is so giddy because he's he's just witnessed an amazing race and we can't bloody control him.
1: I know, I had a great time. I had a great time. Okay,
0: can you answer Meg, please?
1: I've had a nice time. I <laughs> haven't got much else in my life other than Formula One. Let me be happy when there's been good Formula One, all right? Other than that, I'm a very sad man. Meg, Liam Lawson was fantastic all weekend and has been fantastic ever since he stepped into the AlphaTauri. I banged on at the Dutch Grand Prix about what, uh, uh, you know, because it was such a wet, dry race, about how much of an impressive debut it was. And he's carried it on. Um, My prediction at this stage, uh, bearing in mind AlphaTauri will change their name next year. The rumours suggest that they are looking... For sponsorship, Hugo Boss have been talked about, Adidas have been talked about. The rumour is that they're wanting to make more of this team than just a sort of feeder driver, young driver team. I think they will go for a big name in Daniel Ricciardo and I think Liam Lawson will get that drive. And I think you will see uh, Yuki Tsunoda move across to the Red Bull reserve driver role. I, if not, think there is a chance Liam Lawson could be loaned out to a team for a year. And I would think, or or even signed by someone else, but I would be staggered if Liam Lawson isn't in a seat next year. I think it will be Alpha Tauri. If not, um, it's unfortunately for me, and I say this really unfortunately because I like him a huge amount and he's a big friend of the podcast. I think it's looking increasingly unlikely Logan will be in the second seat at Williams next season. So I think that could also be a a possible destination if Red Bull didn't fancy Liam, but I think Red Bull will.
0: We've had quite a few questions that are along these lines. Um, If Lewis was the car in front instead of George, would he have won? So many people have asked that question.
1: Uh, He looked a bit racier than George. I think he probably saved his tyres a little bit better than George. So possibly. But I would challenge anyone who says that with, well, he wasn't. You know, let's remember what we said all weekend. Until that point, George had had the edge. Go back to what I was saying with Charles Leclerc not being ahead of Carlos Sainz. Lewis didn't put himself in the position to win that race. If it had qualified ahead of his teammate, he might well have done. So yes, it's possible, but that's just simply not how the race panned out. And maybe the reason he did look slightly better on his tyres was because he wasn't in the dirty air because he wasn't ahead of of George. So I, I think it's possible, yes, but there is a reason. You know, George deserves all credit right up until the moment you put it in the wall, which is, which is such a shame for him.
0: I love this question from Sarah. She says, mid-race, when the radio messages pop up, why do we just get snippets? And who's the person that decides what's broadcast if the teams have constant conversations with their drivers? Uh,
1: okay, so um, every broadcaster in the world sees the same pictures during the race. Different broadcasters put their own commentary in the UK. There are Channel 4, there are Sky... Um, You know, some of our uh, listeners around the world will see F1 TV's coverage. Different people covering the race, but they're all taking the same broadcast feed. That is uh, made by Formula One themselves at their broadcast centre, which is in Biggin Hill, which is just outside of London. I'm lucky enough to have been to it. It is the most impressive broadcast facility I have ever seen. Imagine, like, the Starship Enterprise. It is a massive huge desk with hundreds of screens and lights and buttons it looks like they're driving a spaceship and there are people sat there deciding what pictures we see what track battles we should be following and following across the team radio deciding actually if we play this little bit of team radio that will help us tell this story of the race so if for example Lewis Hamilton is charging after George Russell there will be somebody sat over Lewis Hamilton's team radio and he goes, George needs to pick up the pace here, a clever TV producer will be sat there in that spaceship going, ah, Lewis has said this, this would be handy for us to know. They'll suggest it to a producer or a director and it will be chosen to go out. But they are, and, and Betty, you'll remember this, this is the first time I was lucky enough to do it, but when me, you, Jimmy and Greg were at Silverstone, we were sat listening to the McLaren team radio, and they were constantly, several times a lap, talking to Oscar and Lando. It mm. was fascinating to listen to. And again, anyone who listens to Sky's brilliant coverage in the UK will often hear, um, it's either Bernie Collins or Anthony Davidson at Sky Race Control. They're listening to that feed. So they People like that are listening to all of it and deciding what we should hear in order to help us understand the race better.
0: I think if you're a director in F1, that must be one of the hardest gigs in sports broadcasting. I just don't even know where you'd start. Your head would be fried. Um, Right. Tom says, does each team only have one pit crew? I always thought each driver had their own pit team.
1: Hello, Tom. Uh, Tom's a lovely man. He listens to the podcast a lot. Um, Yes, each crew has one pit box and one pit crew. Now, there are two sides to the garage with two different sets of engineers. So, for example, let's use Mercedes where Lewis will have an engineer and George will have an engineer. But in terms of pit crew, there is one. And there is one pit box. That is why in races like this, when you have to rush into the pits under a safety car, double stacking becomes so important. Well, what does double stacking mean? It means getting two drivers in and out because there's only one pit crew and one pit box and they are having to do the double shuffle and get two sets of tyres on, for example. Um, and why is it so important? Why does everyone do that and rush in when there's a safety car or a virtual safety car? Quite simply, the pack are running slower. You go into the pits and you lose less race time because everyone out on the track is going slower because of a safety car of a virtual safety car. So that double stack is absolutely crucial. And there was some impressive double stacking going on today.
0: Double stacking. Um, and I like this question. Favourite not at the front battle or overtakes? Ooh, ooh. I know. Good question. Because there was a lot. I'll, I'll tell you what my favourite one was. Go on. It was the battle for seventh at one point. I just thought it was between Ocon, Fernando Alonso Excellent. Esteban Ocon had a brilliant race until, obviously...
1: Yeah, my notes suggest that was lap 37, Perez, Ocon and Alonso, and you had a really lovely dynamic going on there because... Alonso and Perez were both struggling on their tyres, as I say, not only did this circuit clearly not suit the Red Bull, but it didn't suit the Aston Martin as well, and we saw, you know, obviously Lance had his big crash in qualifying that made him miss the race, we hope Lance recovers and we hope to see him back in the car in Japan, but, but you saw how difficult that Aston was to handle because if if Fernando is struggling to keep it on the track, then it is difficult. Um, so you know Esteban Ocon took advantage and gutting for Esteban Ocon because he's just not been able to catch a break this season. And it looks like uh, it was a gearbox problem. I think the early indications suggest so. Gutted for Esteban and, and gutted for Alpine. They just can't catch a break this year. And, and Alpine will be will be. So excited to get this season out of the way and start afresh and go next year because, um it bless them, they just can't catch a break. Did
0: you know it was Esteban Ockham's birthday today as well?
1: I did. Um, I Um He's got a nice cake or something. You remember when, uh, what, episode two of this podcast, we bought George Russell a caterpillar cake? I hope someone does that. For Esteban, because um, yeah, cheer him up a bit. What do they have in France? I bet they don't have ca- they don't have caterpillar cakes in France, do they? What do they- snail cake? I think
0: they'll have snail cake or like a, mer- a meringue or whatever they eat in in France. <laughs> Jimmy's got his head in. and says a croissant. I
1: do like a meringue. A
0: croissant. They're gonna they're just gonna give him a big massive croissant. D- you they? don't
1: have a birthday croissant, do you? That's ridiculous. I would have a birthday croissant. Well, no, it's too flaky for a start I'd, I'd I'd take a birthday meringue because you'd be able to put a candle in a meringue. No, That sounds like the sort of band producer Jimmy interviews, Candle in a
0: Meringue. (laughs) Um, They're
1: (laughs) they're an indie band from Wokingham.
0: (laughs) Joanna says, is there a doctor in the audience, please? Because my heart can't cope with those last few laps. Then this person says, called Radio Starfish, did Christian manage to hold it together during those last few laps? My answer would be no, because he hasn't managed to hold it together through this recording. It has been a struggle.
1: No, I've not. I've not been very well behaved today, have I? Um, hence, Candle meringue. But um, I I let out the biggest, strangest noise when George went into the wall, like a proper sort of shriek. So I'd like to apologise. My new flat's got quite large windows and I tend to keep them wide open. I like a cooler room, I don't mind telling you. So I, I don't think I'm going to be popular with my new neighbours because... I let out some shrieks during that. Race. It was just great though, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it brilliant? We didn't know who was going to win. It threat. There was tension. It threatened to all kick off at the end. It did. There was an unexpected winner. I had a lovely time. It was a great Grand Prix, wasn't it? So much fun.
0: I had an incredible time and I think that was actually my favourite Grand Prix of the season by a long shot. Like I absolutely loved it.
1: We've had more chaotic ones but actually it doesn't need to be chaotic and you'll know this in football betty but you know when you get the football games where commentators are going and they're trying to sell the match which is actually tedious but they're like it's fascinatingly poised isn't it?" it's rotherham nil bristol nil (laughs) and you're like no it isn't it's boring whereas this was for a long time genuinely like tense and fascinatingly poised and then it did all kick off and it was genuinely amazing to have a race where any of the top five could win it and also, watching world-class athletes at their best. Like, Lando's performance was sensational. The way Lewis kept it on track. George was amazing all weekend, but unfortunately made a mistake. Carlos was just... You know, I heaped praise on him earlier. We're so lucky to watch these guys. It's a brilliant sport. I love being able to talk about it with you. I've had a lovely day. I'm very happy.
0: <laughs> I can tell. Um, right, talk to me about Japan then. What do you say? Is it going to be another one? Is it going to be another brilliant Grand Prix?
1: I... Love the Japanese Grand Prix circuits. Um, It's a figure of eight. So there's a good fact for you. It's got a bridge where you go over the circuit into another part. So that's fun. Um, It's a proper old school circuit. So it's uh, tight and twisty, not dissimilar to Zandvoort. Uh, It's often weather affected. They do love a bit of rain in Japan. And we will be keeping such a close eye to find out what's caused this red bull dip so friday practice which shock horror happens on friday will be fascinating everyone will be immediately looking to know will are, are red bull still struggling because they were struggling right from the off but we'll be back in the week to discuss the japanese grand prix more and mm-hmm. to preview it um further hopefully with greg depending on his hospital duties but yeah we'll, we'll have one more episode before the grand prix to uh to properly dive into it and 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 look ahead to it because, good Lord, it's, it's proper fascinatingly poised now. Are we going to get more... F- and also, I, I never expected Ferrari to keep the form up from Italy. You know, they turned up their engines for Italy. They made sure they'd got fresh engines and gearboxes for Italy because it's the home Grand Prix. I never expected them to carry on being so dominant into, well, not dominant, but you know what I mean, to carry on being so impressive into this Grand Prix. So again, Japan, will Ferrari carry on this form? Will Aston Martin be back? There's so many stories. And that's, that's. even though it's not been, you know, we've not had the title battle this year, it's just a reminder of what a bloody brilliant sport it is. Because cause there's so much going on, even though we know who's going to win the World Championship. I'm st- I'm buzzing for next weekend now.
0: Same. I think I'm going to rewatch that Grand Prix. I'm definitely going to rewatch the highlights. I need to relive it, Christian. Oh, it
1: was great, wasn't it? Well, it's just put me in such a good mood. I'm going to, I'm going to keep the positive endorphins going, and I'm going to do a spin class, despite Alex Albon not thinking I'm a spin class kind of guy. And I'm, I'm going to be thinking on that bike while I'm sweating me, you know, what's off, thinking. Oh, I've had a nice day. It was brilliant.
0: Yeah, I'm going to let you go to your spin class.
1: Well, we'll, we'll say goodbye. Any anything else that? didn't make sense to you in the race fast curious pod on tiktok and on instagram you can email us too and producer jimmy will check the inbox it is fast and curious at acast.com and we'll come back in the week and we'll talk more about that brilliant race we'll preview japan uh and maybe i'll be a bit less giddy but uh, do you know what i'm gonna do betty do you know what i'm gonna go and do now before i go and do my spin class i
0: don't know i don't know if i want to know do i want to know what you're gonna go and do
1: yeah you want to know I'm going to go and enjoy listening to the back catalogue of Candle Meringue. I'm going to really enjoy that. <laughs> so until next time, bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye,
0: everyone. <laughs>